Galatians chapter number six this morning. Looking forward to, I've I've been teaching on various aspects of stewardship and uh, just being a blessing. And so today, God led me to this portion here in Galatians 6. I touched on this a couple weeks ago. And I want to get back to this thought because there is a principle in the Word of God. And it's called the principle of sowing and reaping. And I mentioned this the other day as we were going through. I'm going to give you some thoughts that really deal with our life, not just in the area of giving today, in this matter of reaping. And I hope you understand this already, but I think the scriptures will help us. So look what the Bible says here in Galatians chapter 6, beginning in verse number 7. The Bible says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth. Notice the word there, whatsoever, all right? Uh, that doesn't, it's not talking about money, all right? It says, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his, what? Flesh, shall of the flesh reach, reap corruption, but he that soweth to the, what? To the Spirit, shall of the Spirit reap life, what? everlasting. All right, let's read verse 7 together uh, together again. Here we go. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, I think we all understand that if you're going to plant something, whether you've got a little bitty pot, whether you've got an entire field, I know a lot of folks like to have a little garden maybe if you've, if you've got a place in your backyard. Uh, where you can grow things. Uh, a lot of people love to grow things. Uh, our house, whenever we were looking at it, the, uh, the person that owned it, they took me outside and they said, you see that, that little uh, tree out there right on the corner of the property? And I said, uh, yeah, I do. And they said, uh, that's a mango tree. Well, it could have fooled me. I don't, I don't think I know what a mango tree looks like. And, uh, and I just have seen mangoes in the store. And, uh, and they said, those are some of the best mangoes right there. Well, somebody planted that tree because they like mangoes. And certainly, you plant a tree, you want to see some fruit, you want to see something. So whatever we sow, the Bible says, that shall we also reap. Now, if you caught it, listen, if we sow to the flesh, we're going to reap of the flesh corruption. But if we sow to the Spirit then we're going, to sow that, we're going to reap that which is life everlasting. In other words, there's going to be eternal significance to it. So what he's dealing with here, what Paul's writing to those in Galatia who are struggling with a lot of things, what, the, what he's trying to get across to them, and I want to kind of convey to you today is, is that you and I need to have a true heart for God. Uh, we need to have a heart for the things of God Look, if we are saved, the Bible says that we're Christians. And as Christians, we need to have a true heart for God. Now, the key to the Christian life is this matter of sowing and reaping. That's what we're going to look at today. There's always consequences uh, in life to everything we do, uh, especially in the area of disobedience. The, The Bible says it this way, the wages of sin is death. There's a price tag. There's always a consequence when we're disobedient. A woman was asked, she said, if you had to do it all over again, would you have children? They asked her, they said, if you had to do it all over again in life, 
would you have children? And she said, yes, I would, but not the same ones. <laughs> you know, you think about that. But, I mean, it, it is important for us to understand the law of sowing and reaping. She wanted children, and guess what she got? Children, but she thought, hey, look, I'd, I'd do it all over again, but not with the same ones, you know? And there, there is this matter of sowing and reaping. The Bible tells us whatever we sow, that shall we also reap. In other words, what we plant in the ground is going to grow, all right? Now, the one thing you realize, look here, I've never planted weeds, right? They just grow on their own, right? So again, even in the area of our lives, there has to be this cultivation, there has to be this caring for our lives. Look, the Bible says you, you're not your own, you've been bought with a price. And so we need to make the most out of the life that God has given to us. Somebody made this statement, and I'm going to read this to you, and I want you to get it. You don't have control over what you reap, but you do have control over what you sow. Now listen, I want you to put on your thinking caps, I want you to get that little statement. Because we can control what we're sowing, but we cannot control what we're going to reap, all right? A lot of times, you know, I, I see people who make mistakes in life, and they're like, well, I don't know how this happened. I'll tell you how it happened, is you sowed something. And we have to understand, we can't control what we're going to reap. We can control the investments we can control the things that we, the seeds that we sow in our lives. So what we have to do, listen, especially in this time of year, as we've been talking about missions, we've been talking about stewardship, is that we need to ask the Lord to help us to plant good seeds so that in time there will be a good harvest. How many of you would like some good things out of your life, right? Especially as a Christian. We want to have good things that happen in our lives. Look what the Bible says. Here's an example of this in 1 Samuel chapter, 20, uh, chapter 2 and verse 30. The Bible says there in that verse, Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father shall walk before me forever. But now the Lord said, Be it far from me for them that honor me. Notice what the Bible says, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. God says, look, if you honor me, uh, you know, the Bible talks about, here, here's a great word in the Bible, first fruits. Listen, first means what? First, right? In other words, if God's, God tells us to do something, then if, if we're going to reap something good, we've got to be sowing something that is good. We've got to be sowing to the Spirit so that we reap of the Spirit life everlasting. We don't want to be sowing to the flesh. And God says, look, if you honor me, God says, I will honor you. Now, the, the culture we live in today, you know what they say is they'll say, hey, why don't you just do that which is good so that you can get something for it? You know, it's like the old adage, uh, like Santa Claus, you know, and I don't, I've never believed in the guy anyway. Uh, somebody that's just overweight, has got a white beard. But here's the thing is, is that, you know, you, you think about what they teach children. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why, right? It's like, you, let's be good for two weeks so this, this guy in a red suit will bring you everything that you've ever wanted. No, God, God tells us to do good all the time. 
God tells us that we need to live a life that is pleasing to Him. Don't just do good when people are watching you. You know what I, I learned early on in my Christian life was? That when nobody else is around, guess who's always watching? God is, right? Now, if we do it for, for people to see us doing it, then we're doing it for the wrong reasons. You know, a lot of times, I came up here a couple weeks ago, and uh, <clears throat> I came around the side of the building over here, and there was this white-haired gentleman that was laying underneath of the bus. And I thought, what is this guy doing? I went over there, and he comes out from underneath of the bus, and he's got oil all the way across his forehead like that. I said, Brother Gilbert, what are you doing? And he says, I'm, I'm, I'm changing the oil on the bus. Now, guess what? He, he does this all the time. He tries his best to come up here when he knows everyone's going to be gone. Because he doesn't want to be bothered. He doesn't want to talk to anybody. He just wants to be in his own little world. And he doesn't want anybody to know what he's doing. And that's why I'm just embarrassing him this morning because, you know, he comes up here. But listen, honestly, that's the kind of spirit and heart that all of us should have is, hey, I'm just doing what I'm doing for the Lord, you know. I got out, I got out a paper towel. I went over there, and he didn't even know it, you know. It looked like he had a tattoo across his head. I took out a towel, and I wiped it, and I, I held it down. And he looked at me, and he's like, ah, use some oil, you know. But he was just doing it. Folks, that's the way we need to be is, look at the Bible says in Galatians 6.10, as we have therefore, what's that word? Opportunity. Look, opportunity is everywhere, right? And so look, when opportunity comes, when opportunity arises in your life, look what it says, let us do what? Good unto how many people? All men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So look, folks, that's the way we need to live our lives. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. said, do right till the stars fall. That's a great motto to live by is, I just want to live my life doing right. But listen, when we disobey God, again, what happens? There's always consequences. There's always consequences. So look, we need to be responsible Christians. And I want you to think about this matter of sowing and reaping. And today I want you to think about how we're going to reap what we sow. So look at six things with me this morning that are inevitable consequences that are taught straight from the pages of the Word of God. Look at the first one is we reap in relationship with God. We reap in relationship with God. Now the Bible says in verse number seven, God is not mocked. Sin is something that hardens our hearts. It's something that that drives a wedge between us, us and God. And the Bible is teaching us here that everything we do in life, there will be consequences that comes along with it. Isaiah said it this way, your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Anything we do, because look, is it not true? All sin ultimately is against God. It might be against your spouse, it might be against your boss, it might be against somebody in society, but ultimately all sin is against God. Paul wrote to those in Rome, look what it says in Romans 6, 23, I mentioned earlier, the wages of sin is death. Now listen, you think about that, when Adam and Eve ate that fruit in the garden, did they die physically? No, but there was a separation 
from God. Remember what God did? He cast them out of the garden, did he not? And see what sin does? Sin affects our fellowship with God, and it also affects our fellowship with others. The Bible says there in that same book, the book of Romans chapter 3, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So the things that we do, whatever we sow, it is going to affect our relationship with God. And we need to see that, like Joseph saw, that everything we do that sin is ultimately against God. Look what the Bible says in Genesis 39, 9. There's none greater in thine house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee. This is Joseph talking to his master's wife, right? And the Bible says, he says, because thou art his wife, how then can I do this great, notice what he calls it, wickedness. Remember how she, she came after him day after day after day to lie with her? And Joseph said, nope, 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 not going there. And the Bible says here, Joseph says, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against who? Against God. See, Joseph understood that, that he's going to reap in relationship with God. And the Bible says that clearly that God so loved us that what did he do? He gave his son. And if God loved us that much to give his son, then what should we do? We should live for him. And what great verse to live by, Psalm 37, 4, David wrote, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Great thought there, folks. Listen, here's one aspect of this matter of reaping is we reap in relationship with God. But look at secondly, we also reap in habits of life, habits of life. Now, a lot of us have habits, you know. Uh, it's kind of funny if, it, you know, when I was in Bible college and even after God allowed me to be back in a Bible college setting, sometimes you get around uh, certain uh, Bible colleges and the person who's doing a lot of the preaching, a lot of the preacher boys uh, who sit under those, those preachers, they pick up the same habits, like years ago, the, I don't know if you've heard the name Dr. Jack Hiles, but Dr. Hiles, when he would preach, he, he, I don't know if he developed through preaching, but he had this, I don't know if it was a nervous twitch or whatever it was, but when he would preach, he would always clear his throat. And when he would preach, he would like that. So all these preacher boys, when they graduated from Hiles Anderson, they would be preaching along and, you know, it's like, I'm serious. I'm serious. Uh, when, I, when I graduated Bible college, my wife, I was... Uh, you know, I got such a loving wife who always uh, tells me how much she loves me and appreciates me, but she also makes sure to, she tells me everything I'm always doing wrong. And, uh, but somebody needs to tell me because I do a lot of things wrong. And I was, I was uh, at a Christian school and I was doing a school chapel and I was up there and I was preaching and, uh, and, and chapel got over with. I went back to my office and my wife said, she said, hey, listen, I need to tell you something. You're, you're doing everything. And she mentioned the, the man that I was under Dr. Clarence Sexton, uh, whenever I was in Bible college, and I said, nah, I don't do that. She said, yeah, she started, Brother Jeff started listing off a whole list of stuff. She didn't miss one thing. You're leaning against the pulpit this way, doing this, you know, all these habits. And then, and, and then uh, when I was out at West Coast Baptist College, one of the guys who was doing all the instructional preaching, all these preacher boys, when he preached, he would, he would tilt his head. So all these guys coming out of West Coast, they had their head tilted. Everybody's thinking, what's wrong with all these West Coast guys, you know? But, but look, we develop habits in our life, do we not? How many of you have a habit or two? 
Yeah, if your hand's not up, you're lying this morning, all right? <laughs> and, and look, these habits, you know where they form? They form in our thoughts. They form in things that we do, our practices, our actions. You ever seen, if you have children, you ever see your child doing something and immediately your mind goes to yourself that you used to do that very same thing? And you're like, wow, you know, it's like somebody just slapped me in the face, all right? And children do things like that, and they pick up habits. And many habits, listen, do they not? We develop habits early in life. And, and one of the things we need to see is, is that some of those habits that we developed early in life, guess what? We're still doing those. We're still doing some of those very same things. And what we need to do, and, and that's what I was following the Lord's leading, I hope that you caught this during our missions conference is, is we need to ask God to put a new spirit in us. Give us some new habits. We need to be sowing some new habits so that we're going to reap some new things in our lives. Look what the Bible says in the Old Testament book of Ezekiel. God says, then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness, and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. How many of you say, Lord, that's what I want? I don't want this stony heart. I don't want to just keep doing, listen, folks, you, you can, if I can use that cliche this morning, you can teach an old dog new tricks. I, I w went to work doing construction work years ago, and I had the privilege, never thought I'd get to do this. I had the privilege of working together with my father for about 11 years. And I look back on that time, and it's, I, I, just, I have some of the most fond memories of my father working together with him. And when I went to work for my dad, my dad was a drywall finisher. And my dad was old school, and uh, he was working back in the days when it wasn't drywall, it was plaster. Anybody remember those days? And, uh, and my, my dad used something that's called a hawk and a trial. And a hawk and a trial, a hawk has like this, this handle, and it has a flat, looks like a square plate with a handle on the bottom of it. And a trial is something you've probably seen like a concrete finisher use, but they also used to use them for drywall work. And so what you would do is you would put some of the plaster up on top of this square thing. Now, you had to be pretty talented because I tried this a few times, and every time I went like that, it would go off the side. But my dad was real good about it, and he just, I mean, he just worked like that. And these things are razor sharp. And I went to work with my dad, and my da that's how my dad was working. And when, when we did houses, most of them back then didn't have all these high ceilings. They were just eight-foot-high houses, eight-foot ceilings. And uh, so they worked off of wood benches. So you go into a house, and you, you kind of hear <coughs> upstairs, somebody's working. You go up there, and they got two or three of these wood benches, and they're just moving them around, moving around, stepping upon them, doing work, moving them around, moving around. And so I went to work with my dad, and then I started getting around some of these other guys, and they were on something called stilts. I was like, man, those are cool. They're spring-loaded. It's like, it's, it, it, you know, it's like a sci-fi thing, you know, and, and I thought, those are pretty awesome, you know. And then I saw some guys using a, a taping machine where you put the, the joint compound in this, this thing and close it, 
and you pull the tape out of it and it's already got the, the joint compound on it. And, and I, I said to my dad, I said, we need to get some of that stuff. And he says, I ain't using that. And I said, come on, Dad. I said, this is, I said, this is the, the, the newest thing out there. He says, I ain't using it. And so, and so I went ahead and I bought it. I bought a pair of stilts. I bought some of that new tape and stuff. And my, this is what my dad said. If we worked in a two-story, he'd say, you go upstairs, I'm staying down. In other words, I don't want to work with you if you're going to use that stuff. And so time went on, and I, here's what happened was I'd be working, and over my shoulder, you know, you, sometimes you feel like beady eyes watching you. I'd look over my shoulder, and there'd be my dad. And just little by little, he'd be watching. And before long, he's like, you know, uh, I think I'll work along with you on that. He was in his 50, late 50s, and he got a pair of stilts. And I thought, man, this is awesome. And so we were working one day, and, you know, I'm not a, I, I don't have a death wish, but we were working, and you, you're in a lot of houses where they don't have railings and stuff, and it was a two-story, and there was, when you come in the front door, it was two-story foyer all the way up, and on the other side of it was a great room that went all the way up, but between that, there was going to be eventually stairs going up steps, and there was a like a catwalk that went from one side of the upstairs to the other side, and it was only like five or six feet wide. And there was a drywall ceiling eight foot high above it. So we were upstairs, we were working on this side, and I was stringing out the tape on that side. My dad's wiping it down, and he's on his stilts, I'm on my stilts. And I came out, and I went across that catwalk, and I'm just, I'm just putting that stuff on. I walk right across like nothing. And my dad, he's yelling, day! And I look back, and he's standing back there, and he's against the wall, and he says, I am not coming out and going across that. <laughs> now, he was willing to do some things. But, folks, a lot of times we have to think to ourselves, God is asking us, he says, look, I will take that old stony heart of yours, and I will replace it. I'll put my heart in you. Folks, we, what we have to say is, maybe it's time that I got rid of some old habits. You know, that's, that's why every year I, I challenge people in a good way. I, I don't beg them, I don't guilt them. But listen, I know that God is going to bless people if they're sowing good things, because they're going to reap good things. And so we see here that we reap in habits of life. Thirdly, we reap in reputation. What is our reputation? It's the sum of the impression that others think about us. Like if you say the name Jeff, what do you think about? If you say the name Gilbert, what do you think about? Hopefully when your name or my name is said, people get a good impression. Years ago when we were having children and somebody gave us, and I, listen, I look back on that one of the worst days of my life, somebody gave us a baby name book 10,000 baby names. So we started through that. We're trying to figure it out. I didn't know there was some rule that if you had a short first name, you had to have a long middle name. Or if you had a long first name, you had to have a short middle name. I didn't know there was some rule. It's, yeah, according to somebody, there is. And so we're going through there. And so, and so I had that book up one day, you know, and God never gave us sons, but it was funny because that was always the thing was, what am I going to name my son? Well, God never gave me one, you know, but we were always going through there. And I'd say to my wife, what about this? And I'd say a name and she'd, she'd go, nope, I went to school with a kid, guy that name and that guy was nothing but trouble. 
And, and so, look, we've got to think about our reputation. Again, Dr. Bob Jones Sr. said, your character is what God knows you to be. Your reputation is what men think you are. It's a great thought there. God knows who we are. We need to understand our attitude, our actions. You know what they do? Our attitude and our action affects our reputation. The way we're living is making a name for ourselves. Folks, think about that. The way you live your life, you are building your own reputation. Look what it says in Proverbs 22. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. And we're going to reap a reputation. That, and think about this just like our habits that we're going to carry with us for the rest of our lives. Look what it says in Proverbs 5. And say, how have I hated instruction? And my heart despised reproof, and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. The, the, the wisdom there is this, that you and I need to ask ourselves, how did I get where I am right now? Now, some people can honestly say, I got here because I didn't listen to my teachers. I didn't listen to my instruction. And think about it, what's the greatest instruction that we have? The Word of God. And what's the greatest teacher that we have? The Holy Spirit of God. And when God speaks to us and God says, look, you need to be sowing things that are good in your life, then you know what we need to do? We need to sow things that are good. But if we disregard that instruction, if we just say, look, I'm just going to keep doing what I have always done, listen, what you might want to stop and think about is, has that been working? Has God been blessing your life? And if he has, then there should be evidence of that. The, the answer is, is that we have gotten to where we are because we have not obeyed the instruction that God has given to us. We need to have a reputation that's good in society. How many of you think it's good for a church to have a good name? You know, my first church, my wife and I got there and we unpacked and we were there. Our children were much younger. And I went out. It was kind of a different area, more of a rural type area. And uh, there were small pockets of subdivisions here and there. And I went out and started knocking doors. And the name of the church was Reedville Baptist Church. And I'd knock on a door and I'd say, hi, my name is Dane. I'm the pastor of Reedville Baptist Church. And I just want to give you an invitation. And as soon as I said Reedville Baptist Church, their countenance changed. They're like, oh, that church. <laughs> and I, was like, I said to my wife, I said, yeah, after about a week or two or whatever, I said, I don't know, maybe we need to change the name of the church or something. I don't know what all's happened here in the past. Folks, listen, God's given us a name, and that name needs to be a good name. Matter of fact, the, the greatest name that God's given us, that we are a Christian. That means to be Christ-like. And look what the Bible says in Matthew 5. The Bible reminds us that we need to have a good name in society. We are salt of the earth. If salt lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It's good for nothing. It should be cast out, trodden underfoot of men. The Bible says, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on the hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle, put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. See, look, we, we have to understand that we reap in reputation. Here's the question this morning. Is your life pleasing to the Lord? Am I using, as the Bible said earlier, 
every opportunity to do something for the Lord. Because we should. You know, look, it shouldn't just take a missions conference. Every day of our lives, we should think, Lord, what can I do for you today? We earn our reputation by our actions. But look at a fourth principle from the Word of God this morning is, in this area of reaping, we reap in human relationships. Human relationships. Life is built with relationships. Uh, I cherish the relationships that I have, but folks, our behavior has a great effect on all human relationships. Our behavior. Look what it says in Proverbs 18. A man that hath friends must first show himself what? Friendly. And if you're going to have friends, you've got to show yourself friendly. Sometimes we wonder why we don't have any friends. The question is, are you sowing friendliness? Are you making yourself a friend to other people? We can sow in human relationships. Look at the Bible says in Ephesians 4, be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God has forgiven, uh, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Look, folks, we're going we're gonna to react and act with people. We're going to interact with folks. And what we have to see is that we're going to reap what we're doing with others. If we're not forgiving others, if we're not being tenderhearted towards others, if we're not being kind one to another, then guess what? Guess what we're going to reap? People aren't going to be tenderhearted with us. People aren't going to be kind to us. We have to see that we reap in human relationships. Romans 12, 18, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with how many people? All men. You know, look, I understand. I mean, sometimes there's, there's people that are a little bit difficult to get, get along with. But the, that's why the Bible says here, look at it again, if it be possible. I, I personally believe and I realized there were certain situations take a stand. I personally believe Jesus got along with everybody. I mean, if, if he didn't, then it, I think that would be a clear contradiction to the Word of God. And the Word of God tells us to live peaceably with all men. Look at Psalm 34, 14. Depart from evil, do good, seek peace, and pursue it. The Bible doesn't say just look around until you find it. It says, once you find it, then you need to stay after it. You know, find a way. Uh, one of our neighbors, I think he's going to be a little bit of a challenge. You know what? I'm just going to kill him with kindness. You know, I'm just, I'm just going, to, I'm going to seek peace, and then I'm just going to pursue it. You know, I, I'm just going to stay after it. We reap in human relationships. There shouldn't be anything in our lives between us and someone else, especially those that are of the household of faith. You know, folks, listen, if you're here today, life's too short. If there's something between you and someone else, take care of it today. Be tenderhearted, forgiving one another, you know, and we reap in human relationships. Look at number five, we reap in long-term usefulness in Christ's kingdom. That's, that's my heart is, I want to be used of God. I, I want God to use my life and folks, listen, honestly, from the time that I got saved, not after God called me to preach, I've always wanted to be used of God. I really believe that I'm where I am today because God says, hey, look, uh, you wanted to do this, now I'm going to let you do this. And, and you know, when, we, when I first got saved, I remember uh, our, our church, they had a couple bus routes. We had a lot of uh, little pockets of where there were a lot of children and they weren't going to church, and so we had some bus routes, and 
the, uh, I found myself on a bus route. And uh, because of my age, I wasn't old enough to drive the bus yet. I was 20. I think you had to be 21. And back in those days, some of you might remember, that was back before CDLs. And, uh, and so I wasn't 21 years. And so on our insurance, you had to be 21. And so what I did was I was the runner. Anybody ever worked on a bus route? I was the runner. That's the person that, that when the bus pulls up and stops, you jump off, run up to the door, get the kids, and run back to the bus. You get a lot of exercise when you're the bus runner. And so I did that for about six months. But what I found out after a couple months on the route was the bus captain, who was an older gentleman, his name was Roger, he actually wanted to be the bus. He was the captain, but he wanted to be the runner because he loved kids and he loved going to the houses. A lot of times we'd go to the door, knock on the door, and there would be no answer. Finally, uh, I'd see him a lot of times. He would open the door and he'd go inside the house, and he would actually dress some of these kids. And we'd stop at a convenience store, 7-Eleven or something, and buy uh, some chocolate-covered donuts or something, because these kids, their daddy's laying on the couch, passed out, drunk, from uh, drinking all night. You know, a lot of these kids, they come from such a poor home. And, and so here I was, I was, I was seeing all this, and, and after about six months, I turned 21, and then the bus captain said, all right, he says, now... He says, you're the driver now, I'm the runner. So he went back to running, and so I was driving on that bus. And, and I mean, I'm driving down the road. We had this one girl named Trish. My wife probably remembers her. And she sat right next to me. You know, nowadays, you get arrested for putting a kid right there. But back in those days, it was anything goes, you know. When I was, I, I stood, I stood on the front seat of my mom and dad's, uh, their front seat of their car. I stood between my mom and dad till I was five years old, stood while they drove around. And uh, that was before seatbelts, you know, and airbags and all that type of stuff. And, and so Trish would sit right there. And I'm driving down the road, you know, driving the bus route, and tr the window was open because, you know, buses have air conditioning uh, when you put the windows down. That's, what, that's the air conditioning. And so Trish would take her shoes off and throw them out the window. And I'd have to stop the bus, and he'd have to get off and get the shoes. You know, one time we went to the zoo, she threw her shoes in the duck pond at the zoo. Don't ever take your bus kids to the zoo. It was a bad idea. But, but listen, folks, what I'm saying is, is find a way that you can be used of God. And we find here that we reap in long-term usefulness. Look, I don't, I, when I look back over my life, sure, I wish I'd have done things better. But I have no regrets about the things that I did for the Lord. There's no job too small uh, to find something that we can do. And the question is, do you have any regrets in your life that's hindering you from doing whatever it is that God wants you to do? And a lot of people, a lot of Christians have regrets. I wish I would have. Uh, I used to do this. You hear that a lot from many Christians. Look, the, the story of the prodigal son, you remember the story, how he took, it, he took his father's, it was his father's, and he gave it to his son, and what did he do? He went out and wasted it on righteous living, right? And you think about that situation there, the inheritance that was his father's that he gave to him, guess what? The inheritance was gone. The time that that son spent to use it up, all that time... It was gone. He couldn't get that back. And praise the Lord that his relationship, remember when he came home, his relationship with his father was restored. Uh, he had an opportunity to serve his father, but all the consequences from the sin in his life 
the inheritance and the time, guess what? They were gone. He couldn't get it back. And so we, we reap in long-term usefulness in Christ's kingdom. We all wish that we could get back some time. We all wish we could get back opportunity. But guess what? It's in the past. What you have to ask yourself is, what am I doing for the Lord today? Am I sowing good things? Am I sowing to the Spirit today? Because if I am, I'm going to reap of the Spirit. Let's make the most. The Bible says redeeming the time. Why? The days are evil. You know, use the time God's given to us. And listen, time is precious. My dad just said to me yesterday, and I appreciate those of you that are praying for my mom, and she's been, they put her in a home, and my mom's just been struggling with the Alzheimer's, and, and he was there yesterday, and he called, and I got to talk to her for a couple minutes. And my dad, I talked to him the other night, and he said to me, he goes, son, I just never thought it would end up this way. And you know what he was saying is, I wish I could get back the time. I wish things were like they used to be. Let's look, folks, let's not have regrets. Let's, let's be used of God. We reap in long-term usefulness. And then lastly, and it's a good place to end today, is this matter of reaping what we sow, is we reap for eternity. A lot of Christians even get caught up in the, the here and now. And the question is, what did you do this past week that will last for eternity. Let me ask you that again. What did you do this past week? Did you sow any seeds? Did you give out the word of God? Were you kind to someone, tenderhearted to someone? What did you do uh, when it comes to dealing with people? Are you talking to people about the Lord? Brother Richie told me and Brother Gilbert, we went out yesterday uh, while they were having a choir clinic and Brother Richie told me, he said, uh, he said, Pastor, we got run off yesterday by the police. And there were some other uh, real estate people, I guess, going through the area that they had a map. And uh, the police asked them, they said, are you real estate agents, Brother Adam? They asked them, are you real estate? Good thing you weren't with them. And, uh, and so they, they said, no, we're not. Richie said the police didn't ask us to leave, but he said, we just went to a different area. And when they went to the other area, Brother Richie was able to lead somebody to Christ. See, it was divine appointment. You know, they, they went somewhere else. And there was, now they might not have had that opportunity if they would have stayed where they were at. But we need to make sure that we're reaping for eternity. What are you doing with your life that will reap something for eternity? Look at 1 Corinthians 3. If any man build upon this foundation, look at these words, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. Now, if you look at that list, you know what fire is going to do to wood, hay, and stubble. The Bible says that every man's work, every man's work will be tried, no matter what sort it is. If any man's work abide where, where, which he had built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. See, folks, what, what we do now will matter for eternity someday. You know, and, and honestly, you think about it, I mean, the Bible talks about, if you've ever studied it out, the crowns that we will cast at the Lord's feet. And we're doing it all for Jesus anyway. And, and understand that we need to reap because we're going to reap for eternity. So understand this principle of sowing and reaping. Everything we do not only affects the future of our lives, but it affects the future of other people's. And so our thoughts, our behaviors, our actions, looks, listen, folks, there will be consequences if we are disobedient. And with God's help, what can we do? We can invest. 
Make sure you invest wisely. I can't, I can't think of anything on this earth that is as wise to invest in as the Lord. There's a lot of things that people invest in, but guess what? Many of those companies go belly up. Things happen, the economy and so on. And so here's the thought. Look at this. We sow a thought, we reap an act. We sow an act, we reap a habit. We sow a habit, we reap a character, but we sow a character, what happens? We reap a destiny, a destiny. So look, let's sow good things so that we reap good things, all right? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this principle, and it is so evident in so many areas of our lives. If we're sowing good things, we will reap good things. Lord, we certainly don't give to get, but Lord, I thank you that you bless us the way you do. And Lord, I pray in eternity that we'll have no regrets for the life that we lived and what we sowed because we cannot control what we're going to reap. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to live by this principle. In Jesus' name, amen.